Hello and welcome to another wonderful, wonderful episode here of Normandy FM. We were gone. We were gone for a brief moment here at Kenneth Shepard, but now we're back. I, Eric Van Allen, have returned from the E3s, and I brought with me somebody. We have one Mr. Wout, better known as the Hashtagonist on Twitter. How's it going, man? How was was your E3? Good. It was extremely busy, because I was... uh, Approaching E3 from the different from a different side this time. Now I work uh, at Evolve PR, so instead of wandering around meeting to meeting, I was stuck to a booth and taking meetings all day long, which was great. Is is that like just an overall better experience? You get to like sit. You get to have. I, I presume y'all probably had water, snacks of some kind. Yeah. The downside is you spend a week at E3 and you play one single game. Mm. Oh, you never snuck out to to play anything else. I try, but uh, you don't have time to go stand in line, uh, and you don't get appointments anymore when you're not press. So um, unless you're really lucky and you can just mosey in. Um, you might uh, get, get some hands-on, but uh, it was way too busy for that, unfortunately. I was going to say, that's when you got to get those those contacts, those PR friends to get you in there. Just be like, yo, just sneak me into the, to the press thing. Just set yeah. it up. Get me in there. I you told me hard. I would have snuck you into my stuff. Could have come yeah, see I know. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. I could have used the help. I did the whole damn Nintendo booth by myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> like nice. Five games. Yeah, that was super busy there. Yeah, I'm used to the Nintendo that just shows up with one game as like, this is our one game for the year. Play it, yeah. enjoy it, write about it. And this year they were like, we got like five different ones and they're all super important and yeah. we're going to talk a lot about them. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, they had a lot, but yay for E3. Yay for E3. Kenneth Shepard, how was your E3 experience? It was great. I got to sit at home. I'm jealous of that. I, I, <laughs> I truly... I mean, I haven't been in, in like three years, so like, I'm, I'm jealous of you. Don't worry. I, There's mutual jealousy. Yeah. See, the thing about E3, and, and this is me coming at it, having just come off of it, is I can definitely see how there's FOMO for maybe not even necessarily seeing the games and stuff like that, but just, mm. like, seeing people and, like, exactly. going places, yeah. hitting up that JW bar, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As J-dubs. The J-dubs. Uh, but even then, on the last day, I was talking to a friend of the show, Austin Walker, and I was saying, like, oh, man, dude, it was, like, great to see you, but, you know, we you know, have not had a chance to talk at all this week. It's, just, it's the worst show for actually just, like, talking mm. to people and having a conversation that isn't just, hi, how are you? How's your show going? Played anything interesting? Okay, bye. Right. And yeah. that's... And so I'm kind of looking forward more now... Um, Sounding like I'm going to go to PAX West mm-hmm. that hasn't been like set in stone yet, but uh, I'm I'm looking a little bit more forward to that because it'll be my first major PAX. I've I've only been to PAX South, and I've heard that East and West are like these insane carnivals of games and frivolity, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm looking forward to that a little bit more just to be like, oh, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed, it's a little bit more hang out, go to panels, do that sort of thing, and not so much the rush that E3 is because. By the last day, I was just dying. <laughs> I, was, 
I was ready yeah, for the sweet release of death. You know who could give us the sweet release of death? Kenneth Shepard. Who? In R. Yakshi could. Yeah, they, <laughs> that's what they do. That, that's the I best segue to, I, I've ever seen in my life. Oh, welcome to the show. I, I do this I do this to Ken all the time. I just find terrible ways to segue into stuff like Kalini and the R. Yakshi Monastery. So... Once it, we, we are a Mass Effect podcast, ostensibly. And so uh, this week, we brought on Wild here to talk about uh, the, the Arda Yakshi Monastery, specifically Samara, who mm-hmm. it turns out is hanging out here, uh, and there's some stuff going down. Uh, we, we figured that the Reapers finding out about the, the secret killer Asari that we have locked away in the monastery is probably a bad idea for the universe mm-hmm. as a whole. Should probably get in there, figure that out. So, Liara passes us a message that Sorry High Command's worried about some Sorry Commandos that have disappeared while investigating the monastery, so they want us to go in. And uh, pretty quick, it seems like things are going pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, uh, Ken, we've talked a lot about up to this point, uh, like the horror mm-hmm. stuff that mm-hmm. Mass Effect tries to do. And th- at least at the beginning here, I feel like it does a really cool job with the atmosphere yeah. and like ramping up the tension real quick. More so than uh, even like the uh, the Ragnar mission from the, earlier in the game because it's like it's pitch black. Banshee sounds are in the background and they're scary as fuck. So mm-hmm. all of it, like it's less uh, like there was a it's a different kind of tension than the Ragnar mission did because that one was fairly like in your face fairly quickly. But there's like this mm-hmm. slow burn for a little bit here, which I appreciate. And the Rachna, you know what they are. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a known quantity, but the, the whole thing with the Reapers is that this stuff could show up and you're going to see some weird abomination that you just don't have a grasp on yet and it's going to start rushing at you. Uh, Wout, I would like to ask you, uh, as I ask all guests, mm-hmm. uh, what specifically drew you to Samara and this mission? Is there anything in particular that you just really enjoyed about uh the, the well, Yakshi storyline in Samara. This is one of the few missions that I can actually recall because it's been years since I played Mass Effect 3. <laughs> uh, and, and this one just for some reason stood out uh, to me. Uh, because uh, Mostly because of the Banshees because those are the worst enemies in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Especially in, in the multiplayer uh, part. So we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but this is the first time uh, if you play a regular playthrough that you see a Banshee right. and that that thing will fuck you up like mm. it's the first time that you see the, the, the teleporting all over the place and the screams so it's just so well done to introduce a new enemy type that is later just fodder uh, once you know how to deal with them right. um, but it's one of the coolest I think introductions of a new enemy um, mm-hmm. and that's what I really enjoyed about this mission and seeing Samara again uh, assuming that everybody kept Samara mm. alive in, in Mass Effect 2 that you didn't go the other weird way uh, which I didn't even know you could do, to be honest, because uh, I guess I always failed that mission when I tried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that's just cool, because Samara is, uh, is such a, a cool character. Uh, but it is a little weird how her storyline becomes like a, a little over the top, I think, in this mission at the same time, where she has like three Arda Jakshi daughters um, yeah. all of a sudden. Well, she... <laughs> But I, I guess you guys will get into that as well. Yeah, it's um, there are some weird... Like I guess I guess you call them retcons of Samara's story yeah. in this mission, which still to this day is kind of weird to me because like I I thought for like the longest time that I misremembered something or that um, sort of like the origins of Banshees was something different, 
but no, that gate straight up undoes part of Samara's story in this mission. Yeah, because isn't it like one in a thousand years that Artajaxi is born or something like that? It, I, th- I thought they were a super rare in Mass yeah, Effect too. Yeah, they, she, she mentioned that there were three in total alive to her knowledge. And that yeah. they were all three of her you daughters. You definitely find more than three. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. Is like you find out that banshees come exclusively from Artyakshi, which means that there had to have been dozens or hundreds of them. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's talk about Samara. Yeah, that's a little odd. Yeah. I, well, I was. The, I think the implication is that the Reapers eventually develop the tech to be able to create them from any Asari. Rather than mm-hmm. just specifically that, from Arda Yakshi. Well, that's what I thought too, but the, you go into like, the codex and it even it mentions that they are specifically from Arda Yakshi. That's why they have like a certain level of biotic power, even turned into you know, a Reaper creature. So that was. And then you. Uh, oh, shit. Because like, you go through like, the, dial, the audio logs or the text logs in this mission, and they're mentioning other Asari that are not Samara's daughters that are in this monastery, like as. I, if you want to call them captives or. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I. I don't. I don't know why they made that choice because I feel like that you can still sell a Reaper Asari without that sort of like hook to it. So I don't mm-hmm. really know why they went that route because I mean it. It kind of undermines some Samara's like the tragedy of Samara's story. Not like entirely because like Samara's story is still fucking sad, but yeah. that specific thing like she was this person that like maintained that gene in you know the Asari line that she had because she was like it. It only occurs in like a sorry, sorry bonds. So, like it's like, I'm not not to like, to, I don't know. It, like it to an extent, like it feels like the weight that I thought that character was carrying has been a little bit lessened. And not that I don't respect that character, but it does it changes things. Like as like the parts of her story that I thought were really interesting are just not so anymore. Yeah, and it, I don't think they had to do that because there there is like her established daughter mm-hmm. um, that they. Well, I guess it, she dies in the, if you yeah. play it correctly, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a little weird to to add like two of these um, just for that scene. Like I don't think it needed to be a bloodline, but um, yeah. But overall, it was it's still uh, a pretty good mission. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't like that. Uh, that those added layers of complexity that make it just weirder. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do like that as this mission goes on, as we get further in, we're dealing with more banshees. We're eventually saving um, Samara's daughters with her. You get to see a little bit more of the, the story beats that come to define Samara, the mm-hmm. um, her, her being the protective mother, trying to save all her kids. Obviously she is, unable to in this mission as well as she basically will walk away with only one of her children left if she's survived mass effect 2 obviously Mm -hmm. but um it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that it just like keeps hammering that story beat for samara and in some ways that like makes me feel she's a little one note but another way like i definitely did not walk away from this mission with the same emotional impact as i did at the loyalty right. mission in Mass Effect 2. Like, no. I, I think it lacked in that respect. And in fact, it, this this mission is largely pretty straightforward. I mean, you fight through, you get to the bomb, and then somebody's got to stay behind to set the bomb off to, to destroy the monastery. Even though, as we later learn, that doesn't stop Banshees from being made. <laughs> no. Uh, because we need more enemies for the, for the meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you do get this very last scene with Samara where yeah. there's a paragon interrupt that I don't know why anyone would not hit but 
Uh, okay. I think I think there yeah. are some cases in this game, and I've seen it in in other parts of Mass Effect as well, where it will give you an interrupt, and you don't know what that interrupt is going to do. Which I think is one of the larger issues with Mass Effect as a whole is that the interrupt system is a cool idea, but you never know what it's going to do in the moment. Yeah. So like, at least in Mass Effect, there are f- at least in Mass Effect two and three, because Andromeda finally like, explicitly labels uh, interrupts. Yeah. Like, with, like, at least like a basic description of what it's going to do, and yeah. and and Mass Effect one didn't have them at all, right. and in that case, like, I think back to Mass Effect 1 and, like, the scene on Vermeer where you're arguing with Rex, and I can't help but think that if they remade that scene now using Mass Effect 2 or 3, that, like, ordering Ashley to shoot him would be an interrupt. And that would lead to a lot of people killing Rex when they didn't want to, I think. Mm. And so, uh, there's nothing, thankfully, that critical, save for this one option that's literally, like, stop stop her from shooting herself and it's it it just feels a little cheap to have a character's life hang on that thin of a balance that you need to hit the interrupt or that like it's a quick time event like that's how i i walked away from it so i was like cool samara's like continued existence in this universe is a shenmue event (laughs) and And, like just to just quickly bring up like sort of the alternate the alternate reality that none of us follow because we're good people that interrupt people from shooting themselves in the event that Samara does kill herself so she doesn't have to kill her last daughter you can still kill her daughter if that is something that you choose to do so it's like yeah it's like shitty choice upon on top of shitty choice and I just don't it's it's not even like the genophage here where like that we could theory craft a bunch of reasons why somebody might possibly do that stuff like that just seems mean spirited at this point yeah, it's it's a strange mission that just ends up feeling very. I, I don't want to say tacked on, but I feel like that's that's the sentiment I get from the two missions we've picked for this specific episode. Is that they feel like diversions to bring in these characters from Mass Effect Two to remind you that they're here and eventually turn them into war assets if you play them right. And it it just shows the most in these missions that they are very, like, to the side. They are this other mm. thing that is happening over here, and it needs to wrap up in a way that is discreet, and you can put a bow on it. Yeah. Because uh, if you... This, only, this mission is only interesting, I think, if Samara is still alive. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Because if you went with the Morinth route in Mass Effect 2... She doesn't get a callback at all, except for being a named enemy yeah. banshee, like in, in at the very end. Um, so I guess they were like, "Okay, we still have this asset that we have to use." <laughs> right, we got to use this. Uh, so we had people that picked more. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we got to find some way to tie that in. Yeah. We got a banshee near the end. We could just name Morinth. <laughs> yeah, more uh, better than Marauder Shields, I guess. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's bizarre, but. It's still better we've than the other mission. It's, it's still yeah, we've got another one. mission that's maybe yeah. even more uh, bizarre. I, I do have a, one question, though, because uh, I uh-huh. just thought of this and did zero research on this. Um, what I understood from um, uh, like the uh, uh, these creatures, um, they look, uh, before they are banshee, they look appealing to whoever views them, right? I'm not sure if I... Um, uh, I th- yeah, oh, are you talking about Asari? Yeah, but Asari. So, like, if a Krogan looks at an Asari, it looks different than when a human looks at an Asari. Yeah. Do you think Banshees are what they actually look like? Oh, that's a, hor- oh. That's a horrifying thought. 
So maybe they're like <laughs> supposed to be like super twisted looking to whoever is looking at them. So we're seeing one type of like banshee, but then like Grunt is seeing a different type of exactly. Banshee. Or this is what they oh. look like all the time, and then it's their weird space magic that <laughs> makes them look like beautiful and blue. Because like they, oh, there is I a, see what you're saying. There's a scene it's in a Mass Melisandre Effect. situation. There's a scene in Mass Effect Two where like a Turian, a Solarian, and a human, I think, are all sitting at like one of the strip clubs, and they talk yeah. about one of the Asari that's there. And like they all like, they all hone in on different characteristics of what Insari looks like, and they realize that their uh, descriptions aren't totally matching up. So mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that extends to Banshees. I don't know. Yeah, I that was uh, what I was wondering if the, if that ever has been mm. cleared up or not, because otherwise we're gonna have to ask. <laughs> that's that's right, interesting. Time to call that's something Edson. we might have to. Uh, yeah, yeah that's something Casey. we might have to research and get and Casey bring it up. on the case. <laughs> He's got he's got a book that's just labeled Asari. He yeah. just pulls it's an old tome. <laughs> out. I would not uh, be surprised if it is actually true. Oh yeah. So the other mission that's maybe not as great here, uh, which I'm now realizing, I think I pulled yeah, I definitely pulled up the wrong one because it says N seven Cerberus Lab, which I was like, I totally know which one that is. Mm-hmm. This is not that one. It's uh it's called X Cerberus Lab, isn't it? Yeah, the ex-service scientists. Yeah. Yeah. This is going great. Don't worry. This is great radio great right radio. here. I suddenly realized <laughs> I pulled up one of the, as we are going to talk about later, single-player missions, as I like to call them. The mm-hmm. uh, the single-player missions that are actually multiplayer missions that you just play through as, like, a thing. And it's like, yay, cool, you did the multiplayer thing as one person. Good job. And I don't like those at all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, but we've got we've got an ex Cerberus lab. We're going to go help out with, and uh, we've got a friend here. We've got a friend. Got a uh, person out. who we definitely hung out with once. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. So yeah, this this is Jacob's mission, <laughs> and it it once again does the thing that a lot of these missions do, where it looks unassuming and then you show up and and there's obviously some story stuff going on and then you suddenly realize like hey there's that person from mass effect 2 they're here indeed uh and 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 what well just so you know like coming into this we around these parts are maybe not the hugest fans of jacob i don't think i've ever met a jacob fan we almost had a Jacob Defender on the show. We could not make the schedules work out to to get her on here, but we almost had a Jacob Defender, and I was I was thrilled to learn what the reasoning is because it's he's just. Uh, but this is this is the peak of uh, this is yeah. this is where it goes beyond him just not being an interesting character, and it's almost like Bioware is trying to write him to be a bad character, so. <laughs> And the mission as, that as we then kind of goes along with that. Like, just, if this mission entirely feels kind of like... I, I, I never want to say something... Like, I, I can't speak for what actually happened, but it feels very rushed and very, like, the production value, and it's not quite the same as everything else. And, like, going down to, like, weird loading screen, like, consistent, like, loading screens throughout it, which does not normally happen, and then, like, frame rate issues that I had on 360 to... I, yeah. There, there's no, a lot PC of weird I stuff about too. this mission that we'll get into yeah it's 
it's weird. So this this whole thing is kind of like a giant war asset recruiting thing too, because there are a lot of little decisions you can make here. Like there are certain, um, like the Overlord uh, Doctor is here, and you can get him to like join you as a, a war asset. Or if you don't, and you just make him worry and stuff, he'll kill himself, which is not great. But uh, the whole thing. Almost like the way it's set up reminds me of Novaria, just the way that you're like doing all this kind of busy work from one central hub. Mm-hmm. So you're like running up, you're like activating stuff, and you're running over and you're like doing other stuff. And it feels very, it feels very Mass Effect 1 in design. Yeah. Uh, but the real focus is that Jacob's here, and Jacob has a new fling let's say (laughs) uh so jacob has decided that he's uh he wants to get all these cerberus scientists out they're all people that want to leave they've realized that cerberus is not good they want to get out and they have a bunch of like really sensitive research equipment yeah and they also have like they have sensitive research data and they also have families and they want to get them all out cerberus is like no we're just gonna kill you instead so like none of our secrets get out and (laughs) During this time, we learn that Jacob has fallen for one of the Cerberus scientists named, um, I, I always forget her name, I'm scrolling Bryn. up, don't worry, Bryn, uh, who is, she's just kind of there, she's a perfectly good character. Like, this whole thing is totally fine, mm-hmm. unless you are a shepherd who has romanced Jacob in the past. Yeah, because, okay. Yeah, that never happens. Yeah, <laughs> And for good reason, because the way it works out is really scummy, because he's basically like, yeah, you know, um, I have the quote here. This is from the Mass Effect wiki. Um, If a female shepherd had previously romanced Jacob, she confronts Jacob about it, but he defends himself by asking whether Shepard wanted him to wait forever referring to the time she allowed herself to be placed under arrest for an indefinite period of time by the Alliance. Uh, After speaking with Cole, it is revealed that Jacob is still in love with Shepard, but nothing ever comes of it. Uh, It turns the entire mission into a catfight, and I can't fucking stand it. It sucks. (laughs) It really sucks. And it's... uh, I'm looking to... Ken, talk to me about how much it sucks while I'm looking to verify one fact here on the wiki because so, I was remembering something and I want to make sure I don't misremember it. Well, I, I think you and I are probably about to like get onto the same thing, but basically the way that it plays out is if a, if a you know a shepherd has romanced him, it can go like one of two ways. You can kind of be like, okay, that's fine, I get it because you know I was gone for six months and everybody else in another universe in which I romanced anybody else waited for me, but you didn't. That's fine. Um, or you can like try and kind of put a wedge between them and make and like get yourselves back together and he like almost goes for it but then he doesn't and then you can get to like a cat fight with Bren about it later or you know or do the same thing and just kind of be like yeah chill whatever but regardless so i guess we can skip ahead like like we'll come back to the mission itself but like we need to get talk about they have yeah, a this baby is the, this is the thing i was verifying they're, yeah. they're about to have a baby and it, when it gets to the point where they're talking about that i assume that they didn't really write like different dialogue for a, a shepherd that had romanced him because Jacob mentions like Bryn wants to name the kid after shepherd and I'm like that is profoundly messed up to say about your ex but okay <laughs> so like I don't there are so many layers of like problems with this one like 
regardless of like whether we like Jacob or not, people did do that romance. People there were people that liked Jacob Taylor, and that you know whatever mm-hmm. whatever reason they did, Bioware made the active decision to do this to those players. Like, and that doesn't happen with anybody else. Like, there, I mean, Thane is one thing, but Thane was going to die anyway. So, like, that romance always was not going to go any further. Uh, no. So I just, and like, okay, we are all white dudes here, but why was it the black man that they had to do that to? Like, why did they have to? Yeah. Like, yeah. Dive so hard into like awful, harmful stereotypes to make that happen, and it's like, it's was there nobody in the room that was like, maybe this was like any. One this is arm of this optics. was a bad Yeah, it was like... Yeah. Especially in a game that, like, they'd kind of gotten their shit together about representing other people, like, queer people especially, because, like, they had Cortez, Trainer, etc. But, like... Yeah, we've spent a lot of time here talking about how good Cortez is as a <laughs> character, how good Trainer is, how good... Like, even Vega is once you get to know him, even though I still don't like him. Uh, and to have Jacob just be this total toss away of a character and just be treated like crap like throw use all your mental energy to shove the the bad racist stereotypes out of the way and just look at this as a character is just being done dirty by bioware for like no clear reason and no no good narrative payoff either because at the end it's going to end up the same either way. And then if you romanced him and you like cat fought enough with his now, like the mother of his child, child. Yeah. Uh, you get like a little thing at the end where he's like, maybe we can go get drinks after this. So he reveals himself to just still be a scumbag. And he's just like, yeah, you know, like we can hang out still anyways. It's like, Oh my God, so bad. Yeah. It's look, Jacob does suck as a character. All right. Like you can have, a sucky character and have him be fun but it just doesn't even feel like they went that level to even earn that with jacob it, like it just like the other thing it feels mean-spirited like i just don't understand like they did that to the people that romanced him the like even like going deeper like the guy who played him had to like watch this character like read the script and be like oh this character that i was at least invested enough to come back for got done like this and you don't even get any payoff on any of this shit until like the citadel dlc which is like where they let... I guess we can talk about this now a little bit, too, just because, like, that is the point where a shepherd can con- actually confront him about everything, because in the way they couldn't in the base game, because you get to just kind of, like, be like, what you did was shitty, you can slap him in the middle of the Citadel, it's great. I I just... <laughs> I just... It, all that time and money spent on making this awful play. I just don't understand why they did it. No. And, and Bioware has shown that they can do characters that, that like, turn on you, and, like... You know, are, are are bad characters. You know, like they have the solaces of the world. You know, and like, and and I I still think Solus was a very well done character. That ultimately, like that that game was made better by that inclusion. And even though I don't like Solus, I like not liking Solus. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I enjoy disliking Solus, whereas. I don't enjoy disliking Jacob because it really feels like he could have been a better character and he just got tossed to the wayside, especially among all the other ME2 characters that get to shine so much at ME3. Like you look at the cast of Mass Effect 2 and they have some of the best moments in Mass Effect 3. I think they, they really get their moments and it's like, uh, you had, you had the chance could have done it. Mm. 
anyway, back to the mission. It's it's more loading screens, and and then we like fight some robots, and and that's it. and we get everybody out. And it's it's again, it's a Mass Effect one mission. It's yeah. it's just I know you say it's like a Mass Effect two mission here. Um, that they're that it was pretty samey and stuff like that. I just I feel like it, it definitely feels designed like Mass Effect one where you're just kind of like hey go do this thing then come back now do this thing mm-hmm. then come back and now do this last thing and that'll end the mission and yeah. it's it's just a bummer it's a bummer yeah and it, and it's completely well again I guess with most of the missions if um, if you had Jacob die then it's just yeah. a random ass mission with no yeah. help whatsoever <laughs> just a weird mission that just yeah. happens like it's just yeah. okay. Yeah, we have. I, I wonder how many people actually play though with any of their characters dead in the previous game. Oh. I we we have found like even just being on this on the show, you'd be surprised at, like how many people like will lose half their squad on the suicide mission and just live with it. And I, I honestly, yeah. I, I have a little bit of respect for that. Just like you know, you, I ma- guess, you made yeah. your bed, live in it. You know. Yeah, I I I like played Mass Effect two so many times that I had every possible yeah. save. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know you have to respect the people that just deal with their decisions i guess yep. it's they gotta live with them the terrible terrible decisions yeah. they made to be honest if i had J- just jacob die in the suicide mission i would be like eh. <laughs> not worth the replay mm. like do i really want to spend another couple hours doing that again to make sure that didn't happen <laughs> yeah poor jacob but what we are what we are really here to talk about and what i'm so glad we have one wout on here to talk yes. about is Mass Effect Three multiplayer. Yes, we have we haven't touched it yet. This show, Ooh. we've we've hinted to it, Fresh. but we have not talked enough about it because y'all, this multiplayer is godlike. It's it so is, good. It is one of the best games I have ever played. As a, like, and it was tacked on how people yeah. called it back then. It was a it's, it was a weird thing to like because it, it, I don't know how, I don't know how much attention you guys were playing to paying to ME three at the time. But it was, like, leaked initially through, I think it was some foreign magazine's uh, cover that said something about it and, like, had Shepard, like, the default Shepard on it with, like, other races. And it kind of, like, you could, like, people could extrapolate from that. And at the time when I was, this, I had to have been, I guess, 18 or 19 and didn't understand anything about how games were made. Uh, I was like, oh, that means that they're taking, like, there's going to be money put away from the single player for this. Not realizing at the time that, like, oh, no, they get two distinct separate budgets for these things. Um, so, like, yeah. I was not sold on it initially. Like, I was like, this is not the thing that I want. But I did find myself gravitating to it for, like, a long time. It, like, I didn't, like, cause there were people that I knew that stayed on it from, like, months to, like, a year after the fact, after, like, after the game came out. Um, I had the main time points in which I played it later was like it does tie into single player like it double like because your war assets are determined by how much like how much their value is determined by how much you play multiplayer which um, galactic readiness is that what it was called that double yeah, yeah, yeah like the percentage of that goes up so like I played it at first out of obligation and then I found myself kind of coming back to it for a little bit longer it's it's just it's so good I mean it's basically <laughs> It's basically horde mode, right? Yeah. Like it's it's essentially horde mode from Gears of War. But the thing I found that it did so well, and even before a lot of other games were doing this stuff, was it did the class based stuff really yeah, well. Yeah, you, was... you had you had to play a character that was a class, you only had set abilities, you were not this all powerful commander shepherd. Like you had to work with your squad because you didn't have 
all this maxed out stuff to use all the time. You had to focus and like stay in your lane and then like allow others to pick up the slack where you were not able to. If, and, it's almost like a precursor to like Overwatch and like that sort of like yeah. class based, objective based design. Because like I remember like like some, some of like the most vivid memories I have was like one time I was playing. I don't remember what class was. But it was an Asari, and one of her abilities was a barrier. And so like we all like I would use the barrier and just like constantly be refreshing it throughout the entire match, and we would all gather around it. And it was just like it was one of the things like if you understood everybody's classes well enough, you didn't even necessarily have to be like. Um, like on voice chat like everyone kind of knew and understood what the goals were mm-hmm. and where they could lean on each other and I thought that was great yeah and it, I think if I remember correctly this was released before Mass Effect 3 as like a beta test yeah yeah um, so I got a, a hook on it right away I'm just looking at my stats I'm not sure if you ever checked uh, your uh, your N7 HQ stats but I played oh. 189 hours and 37 minutes of uh Mass Effect co-op. Yeah, let me point up. I don't know if does it ma- yeah, wanna, do that I for 360. Uh, yeah, it does for 360 PS3 oh. or uh, whatever. So Let's you can just find your got. profile. I need to look mine up because, boy, it's been a long time. Yeah, but... I I wasn't even like I still wasn't, or I I had stopped playing it by the time that they were still um, adding new content, like new characters, because like I never played yeah. like. I never like because they added the collectors at some point as an enemy yeah. faction, which I never actually played against. Um, Those are the worst. Yeah. All right, let's see what I got. Okay, I got mine. This this can't be right. What's it says? Mine is like thirty five minutes, but I know that's wrong for like a fact. That's bizarre. What did you? Maybe you had a different account. Yeah, yeah are... I might have had two different accounts. I might be looking at my. Okay. Um, no, this is right. This is CMC on Xbox. Okay, so I was I apparently had sixty eight hours, twenty two minutes and five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm still in the top four uh, percent of the in on the N seven. Oh really? Place. I'm <laughs> top twelve percent. That's still not bad. That's yeah, I was hmm. I was hoping they would have like character um, stats as well because I know the when it got to the point where I would always use, like my my main ended up being the Solarian engineer because he had energy drain and what mm-hmm. I would do if I wanted to get um my readiness up to like go play through the ending of the, the game was I would solo uh, geth rounds because since I had energy drain I was constantly healing myself so it was like yeah. I the solarian was a tank and so like I didn't need a whole other team to get any of that stuff done yeah but the the variety in classes was insane for a PlayStation 3 game yeah and like uh, I was gonna say they, and they added so many like different varieties of stuff as the game went on as well because I know like there was like a Volus by the end of it too, right? Yeah, yeah. a Volus adept and a, an awakened collector and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah uh, maybe I didn't play as much multiplayer as I remember. Because uh, this is all right. I remember my my female adept and my I would just go all in on singularity and because I was just that was my life. That's that's what I went for. Maybe I just didn't play as much as I remembered. Huh? Yeah. I oh, should go back and play more of that. <laughs> I, like this game deserves a remaster so much. They should remaster uh, it just for this. Yeah, just bring if it they back. would sell what? this as a standalone, I would buy it immediately. That is something that I think we even talked about on the show a long time ago. It's like the Andromeda multiplayer is still active to an extent, and like mm-hmm. they like release that as like a free to play thing, like separate from Andromeda. Yeah. Like 
that would be like a great resurgence of stuff, I think, because like, yeah, like I, I, I am the noted Andromeda advocate, but like, from like that perspective, I think the multiplayer holds up collectively better than mm-hmm. the single player does, and yeah. uh, like, because I, I went back and played it a little bit, the Andromeda a little bit, uh, want to say like last year after it's like it, by, by that point it died down a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I went and bought like the Krogan Vanguard, like I think you could unlock it. Like by paying five bucks, and I was like, "Fine, that's an, that's that's fine," um, and it like it's still pretty good. Like it it basically is the same as Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, but you know with the added verticality of that game. Yeah, yeah, I think I still prefer the the Mass Effect Three um, multiplayer because the enemies are a little bit more original. I find um, yeah. Uh, yeah the 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 different factions are like very distinct. While in Andromeda, it kind of blends together a little bit. Yeah. Like they all have like the dog unit. They all have the robot. They, um, like I just miss shooting through the slot of a Cerberus um, shield unit yeah. uh, with your Carnifax or your and uh, uh, him right in the slot there. That was that was so good. Uh, I wish streaming was a thing when Mass Effect Three multiplayer yeah. was out because I would have killed it. Yeah, <laughs> you've been the ninja on Mass yeah. Effect Three multiplayer. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, that's not true. I did spend like four hundred bucks on multi uh, on microtransaction in this Ooh, game. Yeah, that is so something we should yeah. the other yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, so this was also maybe one of the precursors to loot boxes because this was the first game I remember playing that had no. loot boxes and the idea that you would essentially buy these things and they could contain anything in them. And yeah, I don't. Th- I think I might have bought one one time, but <laughs> it, it's just like, man, looking back at it, this it does also make me go like, oh right, I don't, th- I can't prove that this was the first one, but it is like maybe well, the most one of the notable earliest ones, of the yeah. early ones, yeah. Because like I remember, like, and we talked about this a couple of months back, like I didn't even have a name for that concept at the time. Like I had to describe it to my friends, like booster packs like of cards yeah right like you know yeah i think they even called them booster boxes or something like that yeah and and it, like i do remember this because like i want to when they announced um uh, the multiplayer i was like i want to play a krogan vanguard that's what i want like it's my mm-hmm. favorite species mm-hmm. and that's my favorite class never unlocked it like yeah. th- seven years later never unlocked it that's why i was like yeah. oh i can buy this outright on andromeda i'm gonna do it right now yeah. I also think it's one of the examples of uh, microtransaction done right, though. Uh, even though it's, you know, uh, classic microtransaction. But if you see how much content was created because of these loot boxes and this mechanic, the content they put out because they could afford it is right. nuts. Like, all the characters, maps, enemy factions. Um, like, they just kept... I think they kept this game alive for a mm. long, long time. And I never felt... Um, to me, it never felt predatory because you could play one gold match, I think, and you could buy one of the highest boxes. Maybe it was two gold matches, um, or you could just buy a box. So for me, it was always like as if I was buying time instead of mm, items. Yeah. Because um, back then, I just I didn't have much time to play, but I did have uh, some disposable income that yeah. could just let me enjoy the game more. And because it was co-op, it never felt like. Uh, I was getting an advantage or uh, over other mm. players. It, like uh, the best thing to happen was if you got to play with a Will who had like all the best gear because it kind of brought the whole team up. 
Um, but I know a ton of money went into this. Like I heard stories from Bioware people where I think someone spent like thirteen thousand dollars in one day Oof. on on loot boxes. Yeah. Good lord. I, you do have to think about whether like we would have things like Citadel if yeah. if Mass Effect Three multiplayer DLC did not have the long tail that it did. You know. Yes. Yeah. That is the thing that ends up funding the post-launch stuff. At some point, you know, like, yeah, game sales are going to do all right, but eventually they have to either, like... They have to convince people at EA that it's worth keeping development resources on Mass Effect 3, not on whatever is next, or they're just going to move you to the thing that is going to clearly make the profit. And so if they were seeing profits still coming in from Mass Effect 3, especially from the multiplayer then maybe that is what helped fund and convince uh, you know ea that it was worth doing all the stuff like the extended cut and the um the the citadel dlc and the leviathan dlc and things like that you know, so it, it yeah. never occurred like i guess it didn't occur to me at the time but now that we've been playing everything in such rapid succession with this show it never really occurred to me like the massive jump forward of like the dlc of mass effect 3 Versus Mass Effect 2, because, like, the Shadowbrook is great, but it's not the level of, like, even... At least, like, from a production standpoint, of, like, even Leviathan. It's not even or... the level of Leviathan, yeah. Leviathan is probably... I mean, granted, again, I've not played Citadel yet. Uh, I will be live-streaming that as soon as I figure out the logistics of how I'm going to do that. Hmm. But I I have that solved. I just It's just a matter of, like, getting it done. But uh, it's... Even just compared to that, like, Leviathan is so leaps and bounds ahead of anything that mass effect 2 did even in the dlc so it's like man and then thinking about all this dlc that happened from the mass effect 3 multiplayer as well all the different like as as well mentioned all the different enemies and, and character classes i mean they had to they had to make character models and animations and all that for a player controlled turian and a player controlled krogan mm. and things like that yeah. and they all handled a little bit differently they're all a little bit different and that's really cool also they had to animate a volus shooting like shooting <laughs> guns which i don't think we had seen yet in the trilogy no. come to think of it so yeah, they even added like brand new skills like you get uh, one yeah. of the server ex servers guys would have as like uh, biotic whips or whatever yeah and, uh, uh, like i don't think those were even in a main game unless they added those later uh, i don't it's, remember it's really something and again like if the stars could just align and EA could just be like, fine, we're remaking the frickin' trilogy. Like, we heard you. Yeah, it would have to be a remake, though, because even a remaster of Mass Effect 1 with the same uh, battle engine would not probably go super over the game. I don't know. I think it's, like, justifiable in the sense that, like, people just want to play that game. I don't think they necessarily want to... Yeah, I, I... I think if you told a fan, like, wait longer to play Mass Effect 1 with the combat engine of Mass Effect 2 or 3, but yeah. then said, like, or you can just play all of them now, they're going to pick all of them now. But yeah, I, also, I also would say that, like, they, in the event that that happens, they need to focus on also people that have never played those games before. Because, you know, like, yeah. f- for all the... for Whatever you think of Andromeda, like, there is a stink on this series right now that they need to fix, and if you hand a new person Mass Effect 1 as is I don't think you're going to help things no because these games are old enough that you can uh, sell them to an entire new generation because 
the kids that were like six seven years old were too young for mass effect yeah. when this was at its peak probably um could enjoy this all over um it's, it's such easy money ea come on like it's right there yeah. just do it Bioware is too busy on, on Dragon Age, I guess. That's just what it is. And, and writing the ship that is Anthem. Mm. Yeah. I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised that they haven't, like, you know, done what, say, a CD Projekt writer or someone like that would have done, where they're just like, okay, we're going to ship this stuff off to Iron Galaxy or whoever, and they're going to port it to the Switch, and yeah. that's that's how that's going to work. And oh, it's man, like, Mass Effect 3 on the Switch, I would play it all the time. Until my hands hurt, I wouldn't need video games. Anymore. I wouldn't need anymore. I'd just, I'd be, I'd be good. Yeah, I'd be sad. Yeah, just I would play, I would play co-op forever on my Switch. What if it wasn't even the full trilogy, but just Mass Effect Three, and then it gave you like the integration to be able to like pick your choices leading up to three? Would you still be? It like, would not be perfect, but I would buy it. I would buy it and yeah. play it forever. Yeah. What if it was sixty dollars? Sure. I, I would, <laughs> I would seriously drop sixty dollars for just a multiplayer on the Switch. Damn. Okay. I don't know if I'd do it for multiplayer on the Switch. Uh, I, yeah, specifically I mean, because it's the Switch. If, yeah, if was, that's fair Even enough. if it was the PS4. Or, I mean, PC, as I've been playing on PC, I've not checked out the multiplayer scene on PC yet, but I, I was doing some cursory Google searching uh, as part of my research, and it seems like there are still people who do runs on PC and stuff like that. That, yeah. that scene is still thriving a bit because it's not necessarily beholden to any console platform it is just you just have to have origin and boot it up so yeah. maybe I, that, I, that is it kind of makes me want to play again man like but it's the meta has probably changed so much by now um i remember coming back like after months after um and i came in with a krogan sentinel with like a piranha shotgun or whatever mm-hmm. and, and people on the chat were like oh brings a level two krogan into the platinum game and mm. then i got like second in a score <laughs> i was like i know what i'm doing guys come on krogan it's, can be insta-killed it's i i can't believe other games have not managed to capture the same magic in all the same ways because like we've mentioned that you know it's a good horde mode there's a lot of enemy variety there's so many good weapons i mean the mass effect series has a lot of really good weapons like you said carnifex hand cannon i was immediately like hell yeah, yeah. but it's uh the out-of-game progression was so good, too. Like, the idea that you were gradually building up this character that you could play through all these different missions, and they were yeah. going to grow in power, and you'd get more skills over time, just like Shepard did. Like, yeah. That was also really cool, and something that we don't see as much in games nowadays, either. You know, like, we get a little bit of it, and, yeah. like, some of the more recent Gears have, have done things like that, but even then, it's... It's yeah. not the same. It's just and, not the and, same. Then, and then promote your characters into space so they could join the space force, mm-hmm. and you got war yeah, assets and, off them. And and none of them are space wizards, which is the important part. You got to be yeah. a space wizard. You got to do yeah. the space magic. That's yeah. that's the most important part. No, I, I think I had one of my favorite moments in gaming ever when I was playing uh, this game, and, and well, it was relatively early on. I was playing a soldier class, uh, and I was the last man standing. Uh, and this was still when everybody was playing on bronze or maybe silver. Mm-hmm. And I was holding it down so I could re- finish the round and revive everyone. And I got like messages like, "You're insane! You're killing everything!" <laughs> and everybody was like rooting me on it. This is what I said: like, I wish this game had streaming back then, because mm-hmm. uh, this is such a cool game uh, to watch. I think if you have a, a group that, that is very good at what they're doing, no. um, and I. At the same time, I wish Andromeda did better; that it would have drawn audience. Yeah. That- like if that game had not had sort of like the 
the controversy that it did, I feel like it could have yeah. captured that. Because, I mean, the, it, it's, like, there's not the same variety, like you said, but it's, I mean, from, a, like, a mechanical standpoint, I think, I feel like, I feel like it, you know, stands just as tall. Yeah, because I, I used, I played the Asari, Asari Assassin, I think. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. On, uh, on Andromeda, and the gameplay is so cool. Because uh, mm. you zip around through walls or uh, uh, instant uh, stab deaths, and like it's just fun to look at, yeah. especially if you can like switch between screens, that would be even better. Uh, maybe Stadia could uh, mm. could manage hey. to do that. Hey, Stadia, uh, Stadia. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's um, one of the few games where I'm kind of sad that it's gone because I'm not gonna plug my PlayStation Three in anymore, um, and the the community is probably too small to to pick yeah. this up on. PC and uh, to be honest, I'll, I'll probably be like super rusty. Uh, but it had everything. It had everything I wanted from a game, like combos. Uh, you could pull the, the guys over the ledge and then insta kill them um, <laughs> to the to, to the point where they had to change the map. I think it was Firebase White or or whatever, because uh, some tactics were just so good. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> yeah, okay, now the, we're gonna remove this counter. We're gonna close this staircase um, just to uh, to keep players in check because they got so efficient at it. God, I love that game, and it was so good. So good. We will always remember it as it was, as not it was. as it is now. Yeah. It was, 100, it was 189 hours and 400 bucks wasted. <laughs> but a lot of fun time. to be You have to carry that with you forever. I know, I know. Like it's it's because I, I was looking it. at my achievements, and they're like, uh, the last thing I got was like in 2013. That's a long-ass time ago in video game years that I still have these fond memories of uh, yeah. of this game well that's going to do it for our Normandy FM we do have one last little bit here uh, our own Kenneth Shepard likes to run our guests through the gauntlet every time they come on to, to oh kind boy. of hear what your initial Mass Effect playthrough was like so uh, take it away Ken if you have your questions prepared okay yeah uh, so we're going to ask you about like very key points in Mass Effect 3 like just asking what you did like, what was your decision sure yeah uh, so who did you romance in Mass Effect 3? Uh, I think it was... Uh, I stayed loyal to Jack. Mm, okay. okay. Heck yes! Yeah. About time we had a Jack romance around the show. I've been yeah. saying that for a while. Okay. So what did you do with the Genophage Cure? Sorry, I, you did, broke up there. Did you way. sabotage the Genophage Cure or did you let it happen? Um, I, I don't remember... We figured you'd remember if you were a monster. Okay. Yeah. 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 Basically, Uh, did you did you kill Borden or not? (laughs) No, I did. No, I didn't kill Borden. Yeah. Okay. So you let the genophage happen. No, I think yeah. I I uh, I just remember I didn't remember like actively sabotaging it. Um, Yeah, you would have had to kill Morden to make that happen. So. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Then no, 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 no. Okay. So, uh, did you side with the Quarians, Geth, or did you get them to make peace? I got them to make peace. There you go. That's, that's, that's what we like to hear. Um, yeah. uh, which ending did you pick? Uh, the first time I think I picked um, the fusion mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. where everybody got a little like glimmery. Yeah. Uh, and then I picked uh, all other endings for my all other playthroughs. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. Even the even even the shoot at the Star Child one afterwards. Oh, I mean that's the best mm. one. That's yeah. that's the best one. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh, almost as good as just turning your PlayStation off and pretending like that ending didn't happen. That's yeah. the best ending. <laughs> I did. You know, I did. Well, there's probably a whole episode on, on the ending alone, but I didn't really 
had a huge problem with the ending, but I did miss a little bit of uh, after credits epilogue to see what happened to my characters. Like it was way too abrupt um, for me. But the I whole choices thing, yeah, the whole choices thing didn't really bother me uh, that yeah. much because uh, you have to wrap it up somehow. Um, but not knowing what happened to your um, to your teammates, it was such a game for that where you expected that. Um, but I guess the slideshow show that they added in the end was not that much better. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but I, I don't remember feeling like super sour after I finished the game. I was more like, oh, oh, let's do that. Um, but yeah, good times. I love that game to death. Like I love it so much. Uh, it was one of the first games I platinumed. Um, uh, well, Mass Effect Two oh, first, yeah. and then I played it on Insanity all the way through on Mass Effect Three as well. I did, I like. I mean, I was played on an Xbox, so like, I did get the full thousand from Mass Effect Two. But I can't bring myself to play Mass Effect Three on Insanity because I don't want to hate that game the way I did Mass Effect Two. By the time I was done done with that, uh, just play Nova Guard. Then it's. Super I mean, I always, well, I feel like that is actually going to set me up for failure. Failure because like you're constantly dipping in and out of shields when you're doing that. Yeah. So, and you yeah. can get one shot. Well, if you play almost 200 hours of uh, uh, multiplayer, you'll get really good at Nova Garden. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's called Do It For Us. Thank you so much, cool. Wild, for, for coming on the show. Yeah, it was a my great, pleasure. It was a great show this week. As always, we'd like to thank everybody who tuned on in, said, hey, if you want to support our show, if you want to help us pay those hosting costs, or if you want to send in some listener questions for us to answer both uh, either at the end of the show or, uh, you know, whenever we feel like it. This is normally where we'd put one, which is why I'm kind of stalling for time right now. <laughs> uh, you can you can support us on patreon.com slash normdfm and do just that. As for us, I'm double-checking our schedule because things have kind of all gone into flux as of recently thanks to uh, E3. But I believe next week will be the Geth Dreadnought and Chorus. Yep. We're headed to Ranaut. Yeah, we're doing some Ranox stuff. I'm very excited for. I, I believe that is is Chorus the the one I think it is, the the with the Geth fighter squadron and all that. No, that's that's gonna be the next. One. Oh god, that's that's one of my favorite ones. I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Now you're just putting me down. That's, that's, <laughs> I was like all that. excited. I was all excited, Ken. Now I'm not. Okay. Well, Normandy FM. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Yeah,